Sylvia Plath, The Bell Jar. I took a deep breath. And listened to the old brag of my heart. I am. I am. I am. Hey, this is Ali Ruskash and welcome to the Air Podcast. This is the ARR Podcast. Hey guys, we're back. And I can only hope that whoever's listening to me right now is well, healthy, and full of energy. We are very close to the end of the pandemic. Just continue to wear your mask and keep your distance. And this will all be over. Meanwhile, I have a very interesting episode for you. My guest, as you might know by now, since their name is the title of the episode, is Mr. Paymon Benz. He is a very well-known comedy director, producer, and writer. The sort of person that oozes creativity and the kind that I love talking to the most. Let's get this. All right. So, hi. <laughs> it's amazing to, uh, to have you on the podcast. Uh, it's, it's actually uh, pretty amazing because I just finished... Uh, watching the Friends reunion, and you can actually see it in my on my face. I think it's uh, it's it's gotten me a little bit emotional because <laughs> it was yeah it was just watching it after, and you know it's such a long time of you know just watching them on the screen for a long time and then just to have them on again it was emotional. But then it's it's amazing because t- tonight I'm I'm uh, basically talking to a comedy director myself. And uh, yeah, he's a very well-known comedy director in the United States. And I can't wait. Like, you have no idea how much, like, you know, of waiting I've been, I've been doing for, for the past uh, couple, of, couple of months, basically, to have the opportunity to talk to you. Yeah, sorry it took so long. It was just, I got, just got off a project. So I'm, I'm, I was like, I can't do this conversation until my brain is awake. So, uh... <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, fine. Uh, so let's just jump into the question. Um, Mr. Peman Benz, uh, you uh, were of course uh, born in Iran, and then a, a quick change of scenery saw you in the United States. How big of an impact do you think that has had on your life? Um, you know, pretty. I mean, I, I felt I felt pretty comfortable in America right off the bat, just because I loved I loved comedy, and I, I fell in love with TV here like right away. And then I learned how to speak English quickly and I immediately figured out how to make kids laugh. Um, so it, it was, I, I, you know, the one, the one thing I've definitely carried is like it, always kind of feeling like the new kid at school was, I, I always felt that growing up, especially at first and being a TV director, that is the job. You're the new kid at school for two weeks whenever you go on a new show. So um, it was probably more rough when I was a kid, but now I think it, it came in handy because I had to like adapt to a new environment and pretend I belong there. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. That's amazing. So uh, do you think that has had any impact of you choosing the career that you've chosen? Um, I mean, probably, I mean, I, you know, I don't remember much from Iran, you know, we left when I was four. Um, 
But my cousins will and my parents will say that I was a silly kid in Iran and I would always try to make people laugh. But I I I really fell in love with that here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, a, a desire to be accepted probably came with being an immigrant and then like wanting kids to laugh kind of tapped into that. So I it probably had a lot to do with it. I mean, you know, I think my parents, they're they're happy now. They're proud now. But, you know, up until like four or five years ago, they were still like pushing me to go back and get a, a medical degree or a law degree. <laughs> All the stuff we deal with as, as, as immigrant kids. Um, but yeah, it definitely, it definitely kind of shaped my career and, 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 uh, you know, finding a job that makes me laugh is, is I've been lucky. It's been great. And, uh, of course I can, I can see that in any of the things that you've done, basically I've watched, uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine was like one of the shows that was uh, like, you know, I really liked uh, how goofy everything is on that show. I just loved everything about it. So, uh, to be able to like, to, to understand that, uh, like, you know, because I've been actively searching to find all these uh, amazing Iranian uh, like you know intellectuals around the world basically and and to find out that uh, the director of that show has been an Iranian uh, comedy director that would that just blew my mind I was like this is it like I have to I have to go for this <laughs> but then uh, of course I found out that you support the LA Clippers and I, then I was like oh my god I don't know I don't, should I be talking to him I have no idea like yeah <laughs> I mean we're a very depressed fan base so it's, <laughs> it's uh, bad these are grim times for la clipper fans <laughs> yeah but uh yeah but i of course i respect them but i i've been an i've been an active la lakers fan for a long time now like ever since i've i've known nba but i have a lot of respect for uh the la clippers and uh i hope they uh they can at least get out of the first round i'm i'm, I'm just i'm sorry i'm kidding <laughs> listen to me i i don't think they're gonna get out of the first round but i'm so used to disappointment by this point that i'm like <laughs> I, you know i tell my friends i'm lucky that i work in comedy because at this point it's funny to me when they when they collapse in the playoffs like I see the memes, I see the jokes online, like, I can't lie, they're funny. Like, people are saying really funny stuff about the Clippers, yeah. so uh, I can take a step back and enjoy it. it does, when I was a kid, this used to hurt me a lot more when my team would lose, but now it's it's just pure comedy. <laughs> I see, That's it's nice to, you know, to understand that you actually see the funny side of this. Uh, fine, okay, so um, I want to know everything. I want to know the... Uh, the journey that you've taken. So uh, let me just uh, let me in on this. How did the passion for directing start, and uh, how did you get about it? Basically, uh, I mean, the, directing started late. It was, you know, as a kid, I just liked comedy, and then I want to say when I was like ten, I saw a comedian. Uh, when I was a kid, I saw a Howie Mandel special on HBO. And, you know, now people know him from, like, these game shows. But he was a very silly comedian. I mean, it was, you know, he, he was just doing clown stuff up there, like blowing a, a rubber glove over his head and making fart noises. And as a kid, I, like, had never seen any adult that was that silly. My dad was funny, but he wasn't, like, a, a clown. So I was like, oh, I want to... I want to be a comedian. And then in middle school, Adam Sandler and, and Farley and all those guys were on SNL. And I thought I wanted to perform. And then, um, when I was like, oh, geez, 19 or 20, I tried a little bit of stand up comedy, just like open mics. And I didn't 
I didn't like it. It was sad. And everybody was really depressed and I didn't understand it. Uh, uh, you know, now I understand the sad side of being, uh, you know, the, the, the sad clown that they, you know, people talk about. But um, so I was like, yeah, I don't I don't like this. I don't like uh, the anxiety the two days before performing where I keep wanting to, like, cancel the show and not go. Um, so I was like, oh, I'll just write stuff. I'll be a comedy writer. Um, and then. And then my friend Bob showed me The Big Lebowski, and it was the first time I saw, um, at that point, that I had even witnessed, like, cinematic comedy, like, something that looked just flawless, but the look and the flow and the editing and the storytelling, like, made the stuff, the actors funnier, and I just hadn't ever clocked that before. And I just started asking my buddy questions. And he was like, these are the Coen brothers. They write and direct these movies. And I was like, oh, well, then I'm going to write and direct movies. That's what I'm supposed to do. And then I realized at that point that every when I did stand up, it was always stories. I didn't tell jokes. Um, and then in my random notes, there would be stuff I would write like, um, do a scene in a movie where a guy does this with no other context. And, and, with no, and, and I still didn't know what a director was growing up. I thought a director and a producer were probably the same thing. And then until my friend explained it to me, I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Cause I'm not the performer. I'm not funny enough to perform and I'm not comfortable performing, but I love watching the comedy come together. So my job is I'm supposed to oversee it. I'm supposed to take all the pieces and fit them together. So it, the joke is told the right way. So I, decided to go back to school. And then I was like the closest school was San Jose state <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> all then they had a very loose TV film program. And I asked if I could do, can the students check out cameras and shoot their own stuff? And they said, yes. And then that was it. I applied for school and I like quickly started ignoring the assignments and just shooting my own stuff and just kind of teaching my myself. And then, you know, it kind of snowballed. I moved out here very quickly and, took a really crazy low paying job that my gut told me to take. And then I ended up meeting a bunch of comedians through it and then everything kind of snowballed, but it all, my love of directing comes from comedy. Like without comedy, I'm not, I wasn't a kid that grew up that wanted to be a director. I just wanted to make people laugh. So, uh, it was just a long, silly journey that kind of got here. Um, it took a very. It took. I came out here 15 years ago, so it's been. It's been a while. Fine. I've, I'm. I'm really glad that you've taken this path because, I mean, like you know, the th the things you're creating. It's just. It's. It's fantastic. Thank you so much for doing it, basically, and making us proud. <laughs> yeah. Fine. I, I have um, some uh, questions. Um, you know, from the uh, pre-production and then the production and then the, of uh, course, the post-production of um, like you know uh, all the things that you've basically uh, you're you're doing right now and. Um, I've been involved in uh, a couple of TV shows here in Iran, and um, and right now I'm in a pre-production of a um, a talent show, uh, which is supposed to be like a huge thing. It's been taking like you know two months, and I've been I've been loving every minute of it. I want to know if uh, if it's okay with you. What does the um, uh, the pre-production look basically on a Paymon Ben set? Um, I mean, for me, by the way, congrats. That sounds really fun. Thank man. you. <laughs> I love prep. So two months of prep sounds great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's, it's, you know, because I work in, in television, I'm going, it, it, it differs on every show. I mean, there's a general schedule that we have in pre-production, but, um, 
you know, every show is, is a little bit like 5%, 10% different. Um, I, I really love prep. I value it. I have friends that are directors that don't like prep that they'd rather shoot. And I'm like, I would rather have an extra day of prep, uh, than an extra day to shoot sometimes. Um, for me, I, I, you know, I prep is what I pride myself on because I, I started late. I moved to Los Angeles when I was 28. I didn't come out here young. Um, I, I, you know, and I didn't grow up wanting to be a director. I know I have to work harder than most directors. A lot of directors just naturally, I see, you know, on the fly, I see directors do stuff where I'm like, I could not have come up with that that quick. I need, my brain needs to process it. I have kind of like more of a math brain. And uh, so for me, prep is asking as many questions as possible. It's just everything I can ask from, you know, what is the crew like? What is the, you know, what are the actors like? What, you know, how do they respond to notes or what's the best way to approach them? What is this DP like? You know, what is this, what does this collaboration look like? Um, and I generally try to visit set while I'm in prep on a show or before if they'll let me come. I mean, right now, because of COVID, you just can't do that. So, um, but I would go to just kind of get to know the crew so they could get used to my face and then I could kind of just see their rhythm. So then when I come in, their rhythm is not thrown off. It's really important that, you know, an incoming director understands like this is the rhythm of the show. It's like playing a game of jump rope and the rhythm's not changing. Like you're going to get in or you're going to trip. Um, so I, you know, and, and that being the new kid at school thing, that experience helps because I'm coming in like not being like a dictator and saying this has to happen, that has to happen. Cause that's not the role of a TV director, at least in the U S like the writer and the showrunner, it's their show. And the director in TV is not the kind of director that people assume a director is like you are the director, but you're still making decisions for a couple specific people because it's their show. It has to be that way. Yeah. Otherwise every episode would feel totally different. Um, so, you know, we start, we start the week off with what's called a concept meeting. Um, and that's where we have all the department heads and the writer or writers of the episode, the showrunner, the director, the AD, and we're just asking questions about the script. Like this thing says that, uh, this scene says that they're at a restaurant eating dinner. Is it this kind of restaurant? Is it that kind of restaurant? It basically just gives people information so now they can start the hunt and their prep and then the script changes as the week goes and we have an initial scout called the director scout where i'll get to go out with the ad and the line producer and look at some possible locations we choose one and then eventually we do a tech scout where it's at the end of the week i'm there with the department heads and we're there to basically ask the final questions before we're going to start shooting a lot of it is Okay, are you going to see this way, this way, this way? We have to park our truck somewhere, so can you not shoot this way? Like, it's a lot yeah. of things. Um, and then eventually we do our final production meeting, which is all the final last tidbits of info. And then ultimately a tone meeting, uh, which is when the director sits down with the showrunner, the writer, the line producer, and the AD, and it's them taking you, the writer and the showrunner taking you scene by scene and telling you, this is what I want out of this scene. Make sure you get a take like this. How are you gonna get into this scene? What is the first shot of this scene? So you basically are, are getting the, the last bits of info before you can finalize your plans, but also like showing them that, you know, here's, you know, they wanna know if you're gonna ruin their show or not. Yeah. Um, 
And then, so it's it's a heavy week of prep. It's it's four days of prep for five days of shooting generally. Um, and then I I take all that information, and then in that weekend before we start filming on Monday, I'm shifting my shot list over and over and over again. And now I have all the information, and now I'm just trying to balance my days. And I'm looking at the schedule and figuring out like Tuesday has way too many shots. If we can't flip scenes, I have to get less shots in some of these scenes. So, like, a lot of times, like, what you end up seeing is a byproduct of the schedule that we had to go by. Yeah. Um, and that's why some scenes will get undercovered and some get overcovered and you get a million shots off. So, it's just, it's a lot of, it's a lot of math. The job is a ton of math the whole time. Prep is intense. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, that's amazing. So uh, now we go into a production. Now, how much of the uh, comedy that you shoot basically on the set is spontaneous? Um, you know, it depends on the show. Some some showrunners like not that they don't like improv. They don't. They won't use the improv, or they're so um, specific about the script and like it's written so hyper uh, specifically. Uh, and you know, there's not a lot of leeway. Some actors just aren't comfortable improvising or, or mm -hmm. natural or like, you know, you might have two actors in a scene that are improv pros and then one person that isn't, and it just doesn't work. Um, I generally try to let the actors at least do one take where we play around. And because my, I have a little bit of a writer's mind when I'm directing, we'll watch a take or two and I'll pitch jokes and I'll be like, hey, that was a funny thing. What if you said this? And then they'll play on that and then we'll do another take and we'll start to build off it. And um, it, it, I, we definitely let it loose. Like I just came off uh, Black Monday and on that show, those guys give me a lot of freedom, um, like with pitching jokes. Like I can, I, you know, they're my buddy, so I can pitch jokes and, you know, they're cool with it. There's a, a usually I would be pitching the final beat of a scene of like I always want a a, a bigger button a bigger punch at the end, um, so I I try to sneak it in and like especially if we're doing if we have a fast day which is rare on most shows but if we have time I'll I'll go up and ask the actors do you guys want to do a fun run and then that's just like let's take the script like follow the story but let's play with all the lines. Um, it's rare when you get to do it, but sometimes like some really great stuff comes out. So, um, I try to get it in there because like, you know, if, if you don't, you're blocking some potential creativity that like, you know, you can't expect the writer to have come up with everything because when you're there, someone else is going to see something else. So, um, I try to be, and I'm loose like that with my shot plans too. If my AD or my DP or one of the operators thinks of a better shot, I'm like, well, forget my shot. We're going to do that. This is this is like a, a masterclass to me. Like uh, I'm learning so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing the wisdom. Yeah. So um, I've seen uh, shows like House of Cards, for example, that the show has had so many different directors, but the feel of the show is the same. The first two episodes of the of that show, if I'm not mistaken, uh, were directed by David Fincher, and then everything after that just feels exactly the same. So how does that work? How do you go into a um, a show like Brooklyn Nine-Nine and then have your own say, basically, as a, as a director, but then follow the path of the other director approaches on the show? Yeah, I mean, it's generally, I mean, it's really understanding that your job is to make a good episode of their show. And as far as, like, the look of it, you know, between the cinematographer, the, the AD, 
the script supervisor and the actors, you're, you're you, there's a lot of people and the writer who's on set or the showrunner who's on set. Like it's it's going to be really hard to make an episode that doesn't feel like the show. Sometimes it won't feel as sharp. Um, <laughs> and you know who knows why that could. There's a million reasons for that. It's a real. It's it's crazy that it works that you can have so many directors and have the show still feel the same. But ultimately, when you have a voice of the showrunner or representing the showrunner on set and the visual team, as far as the camera team and the grip and electric, the gaffer are all the same, you're going to get the same show. Um, and then it's really a matter of just keeping the actors comfortable. Like, but you know, I, I, I will pitch stuff every now and then visually, but usually it's, it's, it's never like definitive on my list. Usually my question and this during prep is, would you guys ever do a shot like this? And if they say no, I go, what is your version of this shot? If I'm trying to tell this joke, what's the Brooklyn Nine-Nine way of telling this joke versus, you know, the way we would tell the joke on, um, you know, The Last Man on Earth. Um, so it's really just you have to understand the show that you're on. Like if I, yeah. I haven't been on a lot of shows that it, I think that's the show I've been on that had the most seasons in the can before I started. And I just watched, I knew the show already, but I ended up just watching every episode before. Because um, I think you have to, because otherwise, like, you could miss an opportunity. If they do a callback joke, I don't, maybe there's something visual you can do that's a callback that the fans will appreciate. Like, I'm, you know, if you can do it, something that ends up being an Easter egg, like, that's great. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that are there to protect you from making it feel too different. Um, yeah. You have to really screw it up. Out <laughs> 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 of you and say no, 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 no. We, you can't do that. So you know, it just depends on how much you want to put your foot down. That's amazing. And uh, going into post production, how involved do you get uh, through the process of post production? Do you sit next to the editor and say, "Let's just do this together"? Yeah. Well, basically, what happens is on on at least half hour. I haven't worked on an hour long show yet. You're you're given two days to work with an editor for the director's mm -hmm. cut. So what will usually happen is, let's say you shoot Monday through Friday, um, you wrap on Friday, you usually get an editor's cut like Wednesday or Thursday of the following week. And then you're given two full days and you set the schedule basically of like sitting down and working with the editor to get it to the director's cut. Um, and uh, you know, before we'd be in the room, now it's all remote. It's all through Zoom. There's a, you know, there's a system where it'd be like you and I talking here, but I could also see yeah. your screen. Yeah. Um, and um, you're basically given two days to do your your version of of you know your episode, you know, minus special effects and all that stuff. And uh, then that's the director's cut, and then that's it. You're no longer involved. At that point, it goes to the producers and the showrunner. And, the, and I believe the writers at that point, they give their notes, that cut goes to the network or the studio, they give their notes, and then it's just producers versus them. So you're not really involved beyond that director cut. I mean, they may every now and then ask you uh, what you think, but you know, it's really those two days. And some showrunners don't even look at director's cuts because they already know what they're gonna do with the show. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, to, I mean, long story short, you get, you get two days, but who knows if it, gets, you know, how much of it gets taken seriously. But if there are really specific visual sequences you had in mind, like that's your chance to get them in there, um, to see. get them 
considered basically. I see. That's amazing. Um, uh, do you have any advice for, you know, young enthusiasts like me, myself? I mean, the advice I give everyone is a little <laughs> boring, but it's really what works. It's just like, go shoot stuff and like, mm -hmm. go make stuff and, and, and try to stay true to the style you want to make, like, and what your voice is. Cause the sooner you can establish your voice, the easier it's going to be later because if you have a specific voice and then you start making stuff that isn't, the industry is going to think that's what you make. Oh, you make this stuff. And then you're like, no, 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 I don't. I just, I, this is the stuff I make. And like, well, we've never seen you do that before. So the sooner you can, you can find your style through practice, um, the better. And you don't, you know, if you make something and it's not good, you don't have to show to anyone. Just everything's a learning experience. Like, Every even now, like every job I get, I, I consider practice for the next job. So it's just like you have to just keep trying to improve and you're going to learn 20 new things every day on set. So like I change my approach every time because I just learn so much from the other crew members and just from watching things happen. But there's nothing you can that substitutes just practice and getting getting better. Um, and now the tools are out there. and They're cheap, like. You know, I came up like right when the digital era was going. I don't know what directors did 20, 30 years ago. Like, I don't even know how you would, I don't know how you would shoot anything. But <laughs> yeah. now, yeah, I mean, that's the key. The key is just like, go make your stuff, find people that you want to make stuff with. And you end up creating a little community and then show people why they should pay you money <laughs> to make story. Yeah. Um, and uh, my last question from Payment Benz, what's next for you? Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not much of a planner. <laughs> I generally <laughs> kind of go with the flow, but, um, you know, I, 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 at one point, maybe a movie, I'm not that excited about movies just because, um, comedy movies just, there doesn't seem to be a lot of enthusiasm for them right now. And, and they're, you know, they're, the development process is, it just burns a lot of people and it's just like, it's not lucrative enough for the industry. So, mm -hmm. um, definitely some more producing I'm, I'm getting right now i'm getting a little more into de developing shows and pitching shows and you know staying on one show for six months versus just bouncing around so um and eventually you know producing stuff and j hiring other people to direct would be great um i, see. I just want to keep making comedy however i get to make it whatever my role is but that's the general plan i don't i my mom probably wishes i had a specific one but i'm <laughs> Yeah, decision makers sure. are going to make their decisions so like i can just try whatever i want to try that's that's amazing i'm, I'm pretty sure with all the uh, covid chaos basically around the world we all need comedy and the comedy is never going to die out so like you know please continue making the things that you want to make and uh like I, I would watch anything you make basically like you know i'm a fan oh that's great thanks man <laughs> That's really yeah. sweet. Well, thank you so much. Uh, it's it's been a pleasure. Of course, it was worth the wait. I I have enjoyed every minute of uh, talking to you. It's it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. Likewise, anytime, man. Anytime. Thank you for your time. I'd like to thank Ordebej Pastry as always, the sponsor of the Air Podcast. You can find them on Instagram at Ordebej Pastry. This has been Ali Ruskash, the creator of the Air Podcast. This was the AR Podcast. AR Podcast.